check out my new book, Reach All Readers at reachallreaders.com. When you pre-order, you'll get special access to my Science of Reading mini course. Learn more at reachallreaders.com. Hello, and welcome back to our summer old and new series. In this older podcast episode from a few years ago, I talked about how I first read Emily Hanford's article at a loss for words. I felt annoyed. I felt angry. And then I finally saw the light. And it was this article that actually led me on my journey to understand what the science really says about teaching reading. So I hope you enjoy. Next week, I'm going to be here with a new episode, a conversation with Dr. Heidi Beverine Curry. She's now Chief Academic Officer of the Reading League, but for years, she was a balanced literacy teacher. So I know you're going to enjoy that. Come back next week for the other half of this conversation. This article first came to my attention the year it came out in 2019, and it's called At a Loss for Words, How a Flawed Idea is Teaching Millions of Kids to Be Poor Readers. And I have to say that when this article came out, I was not a fan. In fact, it brought a lot of feelings in me, a lot of negative feelings. Let me read to you the very beginning of the article. It says, for decades, reading instruction in American schools has been rooted in a flawed theory about how reading works, a theory that was debunked decades ago by cognitive scientists, yet remains deeply embedded in teaching practices and curriculum materials. As a result, the strategies that struggling readers use to get by, memorizing words, using context to guess words, skipping words they don't know, are the strategies that many beginning readers are taught in school. This makes it harder for many kids to learn how to read, and children who don't get off to a good start in reading find it difficult to ever master the process. And I read that quote from the article, and I thought, what does she know? She's a journalist. How can she tell me how to teach reading? And that's exactly how I taught kids how to read, to use multiple cues for solving words, because otherwise it sounds like this, the k at And who can make meaning when they're reading like that? But if you read books that allow them to have flow to the reading because the texts are predictable, when they can use pictures to help them solve the words, they can read more fluently and they can make sense of what they read. And it prevents them from being word callers. And it brings joy to reading because who wants to sit and read decodable phonics books? I've got a little boy coming up the stairs. This is what I get for doing things live. One second. Yes, buddy. You got to wait. No, no. Ten more minutes. Sorry about that. That's what I get for recording live. Okay. Now let me find my where I was at. Uh, let's see. I then went on in the article. So already I was feeling very defensive. Like, what's she talking about? How does she know anything? And then she quoted some statistics from the NEP where she said, a shocking number of kids in the United States can't read very well. A third of all fourth graders can't read at a basic level, and most students are still not proficient readers by the time they finish high school. And I read that and I thought, well, yeah, that doesn't look good, but I've never been an expert on standardized test reporting, and I could dismiss this because I knew that where I taught, the students were scoring much higher than the average, so my students weren't struggling to read. And then in the article, she walks us through the reading wars a little like I did with you last week. And then she zeroes in on the three queuing system. And that's the thing that kind of gets me right here. It gets a lot of teachers right here because it's something we believe in. She wrote, in the queuing theory of how reading works, when a child comes to a word she doesn't know, the teacher encourages her to think of a word that makes sense and asks, does it look right? 
Does it sound right? If a word checks out on the basis of those questions, the child is getting it. She's on the path to skilled reading. And I read it and I thought, well, yeah, that's true. I do teach kids to use the three queuing system because that's how they'll make sense of what they're reading. If they don't have the three queuing system, they have to read these contrived decodable texts that don't mean anything. And it's going to stunt their reading growth. And when people listen to my kids read, it is going to sound like that. Well, then I read on. And the article goes on to talk about the science of reading that was going on in the background while the three queuing system was becoming popular. The body of research that scientists have conducted on how we learn to read. And I felt dismissive again. She's a journalist. They're scientists. None of them are teachers in the trenches. How can they tell us how to teach? So I skipped over that and I kept going. Okay, now she was getting me a little bit because now she was quoting an actual teacher, a teacher and a literacy coach in the Oakland Unified School District. Her name is Margaret Goldberg, and she started using the three queuing approach. That was how she first taught kids how to read, but she transitioned. And in the, t- in the article, it talks about her transition from teaching with leveled books to decodable books. And she's quoted as saying this, I did lasting damage to these kids, the kids who learned three queuing. It was so hard to ever get them to stop looking at a picture to guess what a word would be. It was so hard to ever get them to slow down and sound a word out because they had had this experience of knowing that you predict what you read before you read it. And I thought, no, you're not hurting the kids. You're helping them read faster and more smoothly. And you're helping them make sense of what they read when they can enjoy what they're reading instead of slogging through a decodable book. They'll learn to love it. And besides that, I thought, Emily Hanford talks like balanced literacy is no phonics. And that's not true. I did teach phonics when I taught balanced literacy in the classroom. And as my students learned to read more, they started using more phonics. They started paying more attention. And that's how I saw the article at first. I basically dismissed it. It was by a journalist who had talked about a lot of scientists, who what do they know? And I didn't agree with this one teacher who felt like the three queuing system was damaging to beginning readers. That's how I felt at first. Well, that was a few years ago. I have been going back to the article many, many times as different readers of my blog have directed me to it. And my feelings of annoyance, anger, and dismissiveness have faded. Why? Why am I starting to see this article differently? Well, I believe it started uh, back in, I think it was 2020. I'm not 100% sure about that. Maybe it was even 2019. But I, I posted in a Facebook group about this very thing. I think it was last summer. And I said, hey, teachers in this group, because it was a teacher group, a teacher-seller group, I've always taught reading using the three queuing system for beginning readers and leveled books, but now I'm hearing that some people don't agree with that. And they, they keep sending me to this article by Emily Hanford. What do you think? And I tagged some people that I knew taught the same way that I did. I was really surprised at the conversation that happened in that thread after I posed that question, especially since I'm usually extremely quiet in this group, usually just head in there to see what's new in the teacher-seller world. I don't participate very much. Over 100 people replied to me, and I've got to tell you, the reading wars erupted right there in the comments section. I did not know that teachers everywhere were dismissing the three queuing system now as being faulty. I had not heard that. And I was really not familiar with the new science or the science that's been around for a while that we're just finding out about that was leading them to their conclusions. Now, I've been diving into the books and research myself. 
I've spent many evenings doing Google Meets with other educators, teachers like me who were staunch, balanced literacy advocates and are now not trying to throw everything from balanced literacy away, but confronted with the science are starting to make a shift in how we approach beginning reading. Now, when I read the article, instead of being afraid and having this tension in my chest and thinking I have to throw away everything I've ever done, I just listen. I listen to this paragraph right here. She's come to understand that cueing sends the message to kids that they don't need to sound out words. Her students would get phonics instruction in one part of the day. Then they'd go to Reader's Workshop and be taught that when they came to a word they didn't know, they have lots of strategies. They can sound it out. They can check the first letter, look at the picture, think of a word that makes sense. Teaching cueing and phonics doesn't work, she said. One negates the other. I started to think, you know, she's got a point. If you teach them phonics over here, but then when you give them their books, they don't have to use the phonics, why would they stop to sound out words? And then, interestingly, this all kind of happened at the same time that I began teaching my youngest to read, the one that just interrupted me coming up the stairs. You maybe didn't hear him, but he was coming up from the basement. And I noticed that when I used leveled books with him, which which had very, very few words that he could sound out, he would start to read the pattern and his eyes would jump right off the page. And it got to be that any leveled book I gave him, as soon as he figured out the pattern, that's all he needed. However, when I started using some engaging decodable books with him and taught him how to work through those words, his eyes were on every word in the book. I read this quote in the article. To be clear, there's nothing wrong with pictures. They're great to look at and talk about. They can help a child comprehend the meaning of a story. Context, including a picture if there is one, helps us understand what we're reading all the time. But if a child is being taught to use context to identify words, she's being taught to read like a poor reader. I read that and I thought, yeah, I'm starting to get it now. Kids do use the cues to help them comprehend what they read, but the decoding needs to come first. First, they can decode the word, and after they've decoded it, they can think about whether that word makes sense or sounds right grammatically. Now, when I read the article at a loss for words by Emily Hanford, I don't get that tight feeling in my chest. I don't feel my wall go up or get angry at this journalist who has no right to say these things and cause division among teachers. Instead, I see a challenge for myself personally to find out what the research really says about our brains and how they learn to read and how what implications that has for how we teach reading. I've learned I don't need to be worried In the past, when I approached this article, it left me with a feeling of, I was scared and I felt helpless. Like I have to throw away everything I've ever done. I don't think that now. Instead, I think about how I can study all the books and articles that have been brought to to bear recently. And I can be excited about what I can learn as well as what I can share with you and how what I'm learning and what you're learning will impact many, many students around the world. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you again soon. That's all for this episode of Triple R Teaching. For more educational resources, visit Anna at her home base, themeasuredmom.com, and join our teaching community. We look forward to helping you reflect, refine, and recharge on the next episode of Triple R Teaching.